Don't touch that dial. You are now tuned in to Pruner TV, brought to you by Adobe Radio in partnership with Nice Guy Digital. Without further ado, here's the guy who once played Charlize Theron's boyfriend in a Japanese car commercial. Your host, Aaron Pruner. I woke up today with a song in my head, and I found that this song has been in my head for days, and I don't really understand why, but for all you out there, if you're curious, what song is he talking about? It's Hearing Your Bedroom by Goldfinger. Yes, Goldfinger's big 90s hit, Hearing Your Bedroom. I've been walking around with that in my head all mo- all morning, every morning. It's kind of like my coffee-making mantra. Like, I can't make coffee without singing, Hearing Your Bedroom, I can turn my head off. And it drives my wife crazy. Hello, welcome to episode five of Pruner TV. Uh, I'm Aaron Pruner, and this is my show. And it's your show now, too. It's all of our show. I am sharing the show um, over here at IW Radio and Nice Guy Digital. How are you? That good, huh? How, how's the rash? I'm kidding. I don't know about your rash. Don't answer my question. Um, Before I even move forward, I wanted to give you a call to action. If you're enjoying the show, please follow me on Twitter at PrunerTV. Also, personally, I am Aaron Flux on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Clout. I don't know if Clout's still a thing. Maybe Friendster. I feel like MySpace somewhere exists in the ether. Yeah, you can find me, A-A-R-O-N-F-L-U-X. Today's guests, I'm going to be joined by my old editor from Thrillist.com, Jeff Miller, and his buddy, Jason Kessler. They are both travel writers who somehow got their own TV show. It's called Trip Tasters on the Cooking Channel. It used to be Trip Testers on the Travel Channel. And I'm going to try to get down to the bottom of what the hell happened there. Uh, needless to say, we're going to talk a lot about food programming, which means at some point I may try to ship Anthony Bourdain and Phil Rosenthal. I know that sounds wrong, but I'm a fan of both of their shows. And for the longest time, Anthony Bourdain was my spirit animal. So I know that's very hipster of me to say, but you've been warned about that. Now, before we even get into that segment... I'm going to tell you a bit about what's on my mind. Also, hi, Maddie. Hi, Aaron. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm sorry. Hi, Matadocious. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't I do not do nicknames well, you know? I like saying the full name. Is it Madeline? Is the full name? Madison. Madison. You can call me Madison if you want. I kind of want to call you Madeline. You, I'll respond to that because people make that mistake often. Oh. So... Okay. <laughs> I don't want to make a mistake. Eh. Madison. Madison. Yeah. I, I like that. All right. Anyways, uh, so uh, a few things on my mind this morning. The Walking Dead. Man, now now I, <laughs> I have to watch it every week now because I, I got a freelance assignment from Rotten Tomatoes to cover the show. And I don't cover The Walking Dead regularly, by, by <laughs> voluntarily anyways. And I got to say... Past few episodes have actually been pretty entertaining. And this past weekend, we got uh, a long drag out fight between Rick and Negan, which was something that I think the show has been uh, 
teasing for a while, and it was it was pretty badass. I mean, I wasn't expecting to see a car chase in the zombie apocalypse, which felt like Fast and the Furious meets Duel, which was Steven Spielberg's first movie. Um, but what I really found interesting about this, aside from the fact that the fight went on forever, I mean, Rick pulled out a hatchet and threw it at Negan at one point, lit Lucille up and started setting zombies on fire with a flaming bat. Sorry, I mean, spoiler, spoiler, oh, I mean, sorry, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, shit. Uh, if you're listening to this, you know I talk about television, and I really don't care about spoiler alerts for The Walking Dead anymore. I apologize if I just ruined something for you, but it was pretty great. And one thing I learned about this fight scene is that Greg Nicotero, the director of the episode, the guy behind all the great zombie effects, took inspiration from John Carpenter's They Live, the classic uh, propaganda fear film told through the guise of a Alien invasion movie. The basic idea here is Rowdy Roddy Piper, the the wrestler who has since passed away, he discovered a pair of sunglasses that when you put them on, you see the world how it really is. That a lot of alien invaders who look like people, you put the sunglasses on, you see that, oh crap, we're surrounded by lizard people and all the big signs everywhere, billboards, you know, shop signs, is really propaganda to tell you to eat more to consume, to sleep, etc. But there was a long drag-out fight scene between Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David that lasted something like 12 minutes. That was like a street fight. There was crazy wrestling moves thrown in, and he said he used that as inspiration. So my plea to you on this television podcast, go watch They Live, a really cool movie. And it's cheesy as fuck, but I, I, think, it's, I think it's worth your time. I'm talking to you, Matt, Madison. It's worth your it's worth your time. Yo- I'll check it out. Young folks yeah. who don't know. Uh, Last Man on Earth returned on Sunday, and uh, I tweeted Will Forte about it, and he tweeted me back because we're beard buddies. Um, and then, and if you think I'm lying, I'm not. He knows who I am. We drank together, so there. But that's not why I brought this up. Last Man on Earth returned on Sunday, and this is one of the best. Most unpredictable, hilarious, dramatic, tense, heartfelt series on TV. I am standing by that assertion, and I know you're thinking, well, that 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 annoying show with the guy with the really big beard who's just annoying in the in the apocalypse, not the zombie apocalypse, but the regular apocalypse. And I'm like, yes, that's what I'm like. It started off annoying. I, I will give him that. I didn't like the show when it first premiered on Fox because his character Tandy. I was just a little too punchable. But one of the things I've noticed that uh, I've talked about before on the other podcast I do is that as the show has progressed, Tandy has evolved and shown that he's the real foundation and heart and moral compass of the show, while everyone else who you thought was sane is bonkers, crazy. And it's like in this world of the, you know, this end times world, Tandy's the one who has sort of um, not necessarily evolved, but shown that this is the reality we're living in now. And you end up looking to him every time to make the most uh, moving, heartfelt, smart decisions. He did it again in the, in Sunday's episode 
where it was just a, a sacrificial, like putting the gang before his own interests kind of thing. And no one else on the show does that. But they're all blind to the fact that this weird guy is actually the one that is leading the way. And I love that about the show. And his character has evolved each season. And Fred Armisen was in it for a little, for a little, uh, I think it was a three episode arc where he played a cannibal, a cannibal prisoner, which was pretty great. There was a shout out to uh, Silence of the Lambs in the mid season finale. I believe the song is Goodbye Horses, where Buffalo Bill is. Famous scene in Silence of the Lambs where he's putting on makeup and Goodbye Horses, the song is playing, and he backs up to admire himself in the mirror. And uh, there's a full body shot of him opening his robe, but you don't see anything. He's kind of a smoothie down there because he tucked. Another old movie for you youngsters. That film, that's a genre movie that won like all the Academy Awards. So like maybe also watch that. Recently... It has come to my attention that the Stranger Things cast has all gotten pay raises, which, I mean, good for them, but also your little kid and, like, Finn Wolfhard, Gatton, I think it's Gatton Matarazzo, how you pronounce his name, Noah Schnapp and Caleb McLaughlin, all the main boys, went from making $30,000 an episode to making between $200,000 and $250,000 an episode. Millie Bobby Brown, Netflix did not release the info for Millie Bobby Brown, who apparently is getting paid more. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you know, just I, I'm speechless kind of because do the math. That's 13 episode seasons. David Harbour and Winona Ryder, they got bumps somewhere north of $300,000 an episode. And then you have series regulars like Natalia Dyer and Charlie Heaton, who played Nancy and Jonathan. They're only making 100000 to 150000 an episode because they were not as featured in season two as was Joe Keery, who uh, I forget the character's name, but he's got the hair. Steve. Steve. Love that guy. Steve. My final little topic here I want to discuss is can the X-Files live on after this week's finale? Jillian Anderson isn't coming back. And... Originally, when the original series aired and David Duchovny let David Duchovny, I always say Duchovny, Duchovny, David Duchovny, when he left, they continued and it was pretty obvious Tate bringing in new characters didn't really please the fans and it, it just wasn't the same. Now with Gillian Anderson leaving, I have no idea if this show would even work or if Fox would be like, ah, we can move on because I know they're still trying to bring another 24 back again without Kiefer Sutherland as Jack Bauer, even though they learned with 24 Legacy that it's not a winning formula. I was a little pissed off about 24 Legacy, even though I I appreciate the move they tried to make to, to get the story moving forward with a different character. But if they do move forward with the X-Files without Scully... I have one request. Chris Carter, drop out. Stop making the show. Hand off the baton to the people who are making the more compelling stories, like the previous episodes that recently just aired over the past couple of months. Last week's episode was Nightmare Sauce. That was directed by uh, James Wong, who was one of the, I believe he was the original writer on the originally banned X-Files episode called Home. 
that came out in 1996 that aired once on television and then Fox banned it for like a decade because it was about inbreds uh, uh, having sexual relations and murdering people in like the, the dark dungeons of their house. And it was nightmare sauce as well. This had a similar feel. Have more of that. Do more of that. We don't need the ludicrous storylines that would have worked better in the 90s. And I know, <coughs> excuse me, I know that 90s sensibilities are back on television. You got you got Will and Grace back, which NBC just ordered another season and a longer uh, season uh, that's currently airing. But we're living in this uh, quote-unquote peak TV age, right, where it's like, all these amazing television shows like Westworld and Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and The Wire and whatever Netflix has every week that's different. You're going to come at me with alien science and remind everyone that the cigarette smoking man is Mulder's dad? That bullshit story twist that was introduced late before the X-Files was originally canceled? And you're going to keep moving forward with that? I'm not a fan. It doesn't work anymore. And if we're going to move on without Scully, pass the baton. That's all I'm saying. Yours truly, Aaron Pruner. P.S. I still love your hair. Well, that's about it with my rant. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, I'm going to be back with my buddies Jeff Miller and Jason Kessler from Cooking Channel's Trip Tasters. We are back from that break. You know, I got to point out something. Every time we come back from a break, that little bit of sound effect in reverse makes me feel like we're summoning Satan. Just uh, throwing that out there. In the studio with me right now, uh, my old kind of boss from Thrillist, who I wrote like one article for, Jeff Miller. Yeah, I mean, it just didn't work out, man. No, it just... <laughs> and Jason Kessler, not that Jason Kessler. Different and one. together... <laughs> yeah, we're just all Jews in this room. Together, I'm assuming. Together... It's a very good assumption. We're well, just three way, Jews and we're having beards. a good time. Um... God, I'm just going off tangents already. Uh, together, they host a TV show that used to be on Travel Channel that got kind of rebooted and is now on the Cooking Channel. It was once called Trip Testers, and now it's called Trip Tasters. It's that, Welcome. That, that vowel is a huge difference, right? Yeah. It really is. It allowed it us to save all the merch and just draw in the A. <laughs> It looks a That'd little be weird. Pretty fantastic. If that was true, uh, guys. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm a big fan of food travel shows, and I okay. So I was saying before we started recording that I can't find trip tasters anywhere because I cut cable, and it's kind of hard to find certain shows. But I did find. Aaron, I'm going to cut you off for a minute. Uh, you host a TV yep. show, yep, but you don't have TV. Yeah, I'm a I'm a freelance writer on a strict budget, and my wife is pregnant, and I have no money. All right. Thank you. Okay. So <laughs> Just, you know. But you can write that off. You can write that off. Yes. But, I mean, I I will say I know a lot of TV journalists who don't have television. 
because we all rely on screeners okay. and and like Hulu and Netflix and Amazon and yep. Yep. all of those. But that's a fair point, and I, I'll I'll take it. All right. Um. So guys. You are, you are, I, I feel like we're kind of colleagues, even though I don't write about food or travel. Tell me, <laughs> I'm imagining what the pitch meeting was like, even if there was a pitch meeting, but tell me how this show got started, what the show's about, and how it has changed from when it was on Travel Channel to uh, the iteration that is now on the I think we should show. just call it the E to the A from now on. <laughs> <laughs> That'll confuse a lot of people. Uh, the, the story behind it is, is actually pretty great. As food and travel writers, we uh, we get to do a lot of unbelievable things that uh, normal humans don't get to do. And we had one crazy day in Vegas where we uh, we raced exotic cars, we ate like a nine billion course sushi lunch. Jesus, that's what, a lot of courses. Oh, and then we uh, went up in airplanes, like actual airplanes, and we were supposed to have a uh, like a uh, laser tag fight in the air. Yeah, but what? I threw up. But Jason threw up. Like oh. a lot. Like oh, many, like many so times. So many times. Like, all, t- like all nine million courses of that sushi yes. lunch. Oh, his yes. sushi definitely ended up in the, yeah, in the no, cockpit of plane. Uh, so... <laughs> So I got to do plane aeronautics, and then I got to find Jason literally laying down, uh, just completely pale, yelling at me in the hangar from yeah. the airplanes. And then we had a 12-course dinner. And then we had a 12-course dinner. And so that was the pitch for the show. Did you shoot that? You had that? We, no. we didn't shoot that. Oh. that, we were just, that like, was just a press We were trip. just hanging out. Like, that was literally, like, both of us working on stories. I was working on, like, an extreme Vegas story, and Jason was working on, like, what you can eat for a lot of money in Vegas story. Mm-hmm. And we had this incredible also free day it was amazing and so we basically pitched we are these normal dudes that get to live like we're billionaires are you i've hung out with jeff you're not a normal dude i mean i'm <laughs> you're like a larger than life kind of personality look just because i have a few pounds to lose that's, that's not that's what i meant up, I dude. no that's that not what I, you're always up. with the really colorful sunglasses like getting down you're in a rock band Right? I have no idea what you're talking see? about. See? See? He just threw on his, like, bright green highlighter. I like that highlighter. Aaron's idea of abnormal is different colored sunglasses. <laughs> it's LA true. is crazy. Look, I am an 80-year-old at heart. I was, like, with your with your bright colors and your, your sassy personality. One of my favorite things about our pitch for the show is that when we pitched it, uh, I was I had grown the beard, which I have this huge beard. I had grown the beard as a dare, and they told me what? If I, they, yeah, really? I, it was total dare. Oh, and they and I was ready to shave it. Like at that point in time, like no. my plan was to have it for another month and shave it. And they told me that if I shaved the beard, that the show was definitely not going to happen <laughs> through like every iteration. It's of iconic. Yeah. So now it's just a part of me. But it was so, a dare. So what's the difference between trip testers and trip tasters, aside from one letter? Uh, the travel. There's no more travel at all. I mean, no. we go to different places, but it's about the food exclusively. So trip trip testers. Each episode was one city, and it was like all the stuff you can do in that city. Trip tasters. It's like four cities and all the food you can stuff in your face in all four cities. Yeah. Do you get to choose where you go, or is it something where the the channel says, "Well, we really want to highlight this place in Albuquerque." It's it's fifty fifty. We we get to pitch, they get to to weigh in, and then we come to consensus. Yeah, there was a, there was definitely production meetings where they were like, this place that you guys like is good, and this place that you guys like will never work for television. And no, you you've said that. What's that? You've said that to, uh, regarding like places that they've pitched. Oh, we have not. They, said that. Oh, they have. Oh, they have. Yes. Oh. 
Like, I'm assuming certain things that are not necessarily family-friendly or would work on... Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I don't know about family-friendly. I don't know yeah. if we pitched anywhere that wasn't family-friendly. We never friendly. pitched the weed dungeon. No. The, we sorry, considered say, it. What? Oh, the weed dungeon? So, You've never been there? I don't leave the house. <laughs> oh, I live here. I live here in this studio. Oh, this is my could, house. You could make this into a weed dungeon. <laughs> Can you explain what this weed dungeon is? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it's a thing I made up right now. Yeah. yeah. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. That was not real. <laughs> so here, here's... You know, I will believe anything you tell me about these weird, cool places in America that you've done a, 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 a show or, or article on. Like, you tell me that there's a weed dungeon, and I'm going to be like, well, that sounds like something that I would see on Viceland. So, Aaron, one of the great things about shooting the show, one of my favorite things that happened when we were shooting, is Jason and I had a ongoing prank to Uber and Lyft drivers where one of us would come up with a concept of what we were doing in town, and the other one would have to yes-and it as long as we could get them to believe <laughs> That we were telling okay. the truth. It, w- it was so good until it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> we So for a while, it would, it would go well, and we'd be like, we're in town. We're high-class drug dealers. And then we'd talk <laughs> about, like, the very exclusive drugs we sold. Like Prada. Prada, which makes you feel like um, that first moment where you uh, you wake up and you see the love of your life laying in bed next to you. But it's like that for, like, ten minutes. Yeah. That's Prada. Have you tried it? It's a great drug. Have you ever had Gucci? Shut up. <laughs> See, I'm almost falling for this. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I am not hip to the groove, but, man. But yeah, the, That's right. The, I just used that term. Yeah, you did. Yeah. There's the 80-year-old. Yeah, Thanks. Uh, we, we went off the rails in Phoenix when we told a guy that we were in town uh, for an elderly crime convention that we studied <laughs> elder crime. And he was like, oh, man, <laughs> you're telling me I'm a counselor. What? And, like, went into it. No. Yeah. I, uh, I I pulled myself out of that conversation really quick and then let Jason just have just a real hard it. time. Just was this, said in was, it. Okay, so I saw an episode of Trip Testers uh, where you guys were in Arizona. Was this during that trip? Yeah. Or, yes, yeah. You ate a pig's head. We did. Yeah. You were excited about it, Jason. I was so excited. How uh, could that, you not be? I mean, I've never eaten straight from a pig's head before. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I've eaten meat from a pig's head. I've never pulled it from a pig's head. You should it's try it. It's definitely different when you order, like, cheek, and then it just comes out, it's like pulled pork. Yeah. And when you're just eating cheek. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Does that I, – I, I guess that changes the experience. Does that make it taste better, seeing exactly where the meat is coming from? I think only because it's, like, absolutely as fresh as it's going to be. I mean, it doesn't really taste. It's just more like you you get the excitement of everybody in the restaurant looking at you as you carve into a face. Yeah. We also have camera guys around you. I'm sh- sure everyone in the restaurant was already looking at they you. They were like, "Ah, this is normal." But the really? pig said, yeah. "No." Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. I, like I said, I don't get out. But I, I, you dared him. Jason dared Jeff to eat an eyeball straight from the head. Yeah, I did it. How did that taste? It's really, like, chewy and, and, like, sort of viscous. It doesn't taste bad. The texture is not my favorite texture I've ever tasted. Jason ate one, too. Yeah, I got the crunchy bit. Oh. And that was not pleasant. You uh, know, I've, I've watched enough shows like Anthony Bourdain and Andrew Zimmern where I've seen people eat stuff. Yeah. Where I'm like, I would never do that. Yeah, I didn't want to. So, but... you're, so you're not a better person. For, for, for putting an eyeball in your mouth, is what you're saying. I don't think so. Has, is anybody a better person for having an eyeball in their mouth? Yes. See? That's what I was, see, I was, yeah. that's what I was going for. You've got to try everything once. 
Yeah, okay. I, if we had a pig set in front of us and no cameras right now, would I eat the eyeball? No. Would well, you? that's a good choice because if there was a pig's head on this table and you were coming in to do this podcast, I'd sort of be questioning my motives. I would be amazing your budget. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, that's, that's a true. Big budget. It's true. Jeff, would you have tried the teeth? If somebody had been like, the teeth are edible and delicious, I would have tried the teeth, but I probably would have been like, isn't that just eating bone? Like, that sounds way yeah, too calcium. crunchy. Yeah, oh, calcium. Okay, yeah. I would have tried it. Jesus Christ. Um. <laughs> so being that you both – okay, just I'm, – I'm right in saying this. I know – Jeff, you you mainly write food and travel stuff, but do you also write about music? Write about music, yeah, for sure. That was how I started my career. I still do it. Just got back from South by Southwest this week. Right. Okay. How was that? It was great. I've never been. I'm wearing the the, uh, sweatshirt right now. And a Celine Dion shirt? And a Celine Dion shirt. My heart will go on. It looks – it's like a Celine Dion meets Iron Maiden shirt. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason I ask is because – so I started off – Writing. I mean, I'm I'm freelancing now for a bunch of places, but I started off just as a hobby, writing about television. And look at me now. But basically, the reason I'm bringing that up is you guys are are hosting your own show, and so since you travel around a lot, can you give the listeners some suggestions of uh, some of your favorite food? places to go eat at and i'm saying around the country if there was one place like for instance okay okay i'm gonna twist this question here we go i was gonna twist it it, so say you learn that you have five days to live and you want to go and relive this magical food experience so that you can it'd be like your death row meal so that you have your stomach full so you can then splay yourself out and release your grip on this mortal coil and mm-hmm. and and ascend to whatever, I don't know, heavens you believe in. Where would you go and what would you eat? Period or from the places that we went on the show? Oh, that's a good question. Let's yeah. let's branch out. Let's go I, period. Yeah. Period. Oh, man. Oh, that is such a difficult – Yeah. I mean, you know what? You could blame Jeff for that because that, that's Jeff. a new layer. You know what? Pick, pick, whatever. I'm open well, here, to... Here's the thing about it. If, if it's open to anything, then it's just going to be the food that I've, I've loved from, from birth. Well, tell me. You know, that's that's Chicago food for me. That's a Lou Malnati's deep dish pizza. That's a, it's a hot dog from Superdog. Like, that's classic Chicago food that I grew up eating and loving. But if it's just the show, then it's it's El Milagrito. What's it's, that? It's oh, puffy breakfast so tacos. good. What is it? Puffy breakfast tacos that in San Antonio. Sounds like a dirty thing you would They're, say to a person. Like, the, oh, can the I breakfast yeah. tacos. Breakfast Somebody tacos. asked me last night where the best place we ate at the show, and that was where I told them to go. I think that's it. I, it was so good. What so, What was so good about it? Here's 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 what you got to know. San Antonio, home of amazing Tex-Mex food. Breakfast tacos are a staple. Puffy tacos are a staple. Puffy taco is where you fry the tortilla. It puffs up. Mm. In the fryer, it's crispy, it's crunchy, it's like a gordita shell. If if I have to bring it down, yes, the, bring the it layman. down for, for for the L.A. audience. Uh, you know, I don't even know if, uh, Taco if Bell around the country. Are there Taco Bells everywhere? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I don't leave the house everywhere <laughs> except Mexico. Look, I went to Texas recently. And I was surprised that they had Whole Foods and Trader Joe's and In-N-Out. Yeah. Yeah. In Texas, they got, they got yeah. those things. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. That's okay. Puffy breakfast taco is a combination of the breakfast taco and the puffy taco filled with all kinds of amazing stewed meats and and flavors. And it's it's the best way to start your day. The best breakfast tacos I've ever had. 
I think bar none. I just got back from Austin, had breakfast tacos there, and I was like, these are good, but why don't they taste like San Antonio? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so since you chose that, can you can we go with the period? Just if any any place you in time. I mean, you 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 kind of uh, expanded my mind with that. Uh, that suggests. I mean, going on what Jason was saying, he would go to you know eat all these iconic Chicago foods. Yeah. I think you'd have to fly me to Tokyo and literally just have me eat sushi until that was what killed me. Absolutely. Yeah. I went to Tokyo a couple of years ago, and even the shittiest sushi there was better than anything I got out here. Yeah. I mean, and the sushi in L.A. is incredible too. It would be like a number two. But uh, I was in Tokyo for four days. I don't know, ten years ago, and one of my like major life regrets is never making it to the. Uh, the fish market there. Oh, yeah, and, I went. You know, I didn't go at 4 a.m. Oh, that's because, what I would have gone at 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah, you I couldn't was, get me up that early. I was uh, busy playing rock music in a club. Uh, I got very drunk that night. Uh, I was supposed to go, and then uh, a bunch of other stuff happened. Okay, so sorry for uh, cutting you off if I did. Jeff, it's nice to see you again. Last time I saw Jeff was at a pool party. Was that at your house? It was at my dad's house. At your dad's house, oh. my old friend's. Brian and Chris are in a band called the Shoe Crackers of Bethlehem, and I remember their first show during a talent show in my high school. They went on to do a lot of shows in L.A., and I had no idea that we shared that connection. So that's pretty great. That was an awesome time. Tell everyone about the band you're in, um, if there's any way that people can access your music online, and where they can both find you both online and when your show airs. So my band is called Black Crystal Wolf Kids. It's the world's first and only indie rock tribute band. Basically, it's Coachella, the tribute. Oh, Super really? Super fun. Costumes. Super fun. So, uh, we play, you know, Black Keys and Vampire Weekend and Cold War Kids and Florence of the Machine, Arcade Fire. We go back a little bit, Talking Heads, that sort of stuff. Um, but we do it as if we're a party rock band. Uh, super fun. We play Casey's Irish Pub in Los Angeles once a month and all over L.A. and Southern California at festivals. We've played the L.A. Beer Fest many times. So if you go to BlackCrystalWolfKids.com, we've always got our shows listed. And uh, please come out and say hello. I will eventually do that. Yeah. I promise. You play this Friday. Casey's oh, Irish I, Pub. I, I, I think I just put my foot in my mouth. Yeah, you really <laughs> do. I have to... his, his wife is pregnant. His wife's pregnant. Yeah. You go anywhere. He doesn't yeah, get out. No. I, show. You know. It's free. I, I like free things. Where is this place? Downtown LA. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. 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 Live in the valley. Oh yeah, no, that's a good excuse. Thank, thank, thank you, yeah. thank you. Where can people find you guys online, and what are you currently working on? Uh, so you can find me on, on Twitter, Instagram at Jason B Kessler. Uh, what are we working on? We're developing a whole bunch of new shows. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We've got a bunch of stuff like sort of in development pipeline. Uh, we're waiting to hear whether Trip Tasters is coming back for season two. Uh-huh. Uh, you can find out if you if you search Cooking Channel Trip Tasters, there is a page with all of when it's airing and yeah. when it has aired. If you like the sound of our voices and haven't seen the show, just write into Cooking Channel and tell them you want more Trip Tasters. Yes, everybody should tweet right now at Cooking Channel. I can't find Trip Tasters online. These guys sound like they're a blast to hang out with. Also, I want to see what those breakfast tacos look like. Give me more Trip Tasters. I, Give me more Trip Tasters. I firmly back that uh, strategy. Finally, Jeff, before we, before we end this segment, you and I were chatting on... Facebook, when I originally asked you if you wanted to come on the show, and I was like, hey, how do we get uh, Phil Rosenthal on the show? Because I'm really a big fan of Phil Rosenthal's food show on Netflix. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's a lunch buddy. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's just, uh, 
You just hang out with the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond. It was uh, the first time I met him. I had no idea who he was. And he was like, oh, I work in TV. And I was like, oh, anything I would know? And there's you know, sort of <laughs> mm-hmm. long pause. Oh, God. You know, he's like the anti-Bourdain to me in the sense that I, I, all of his shows are just out of pure joy of just experiencing travel and, and eating new things and going new places. And I feel like he's the dad I never had. Because, I mean, technically, I never had a dad cry for me. Um, so I'm going to pester you I, I mean, about I'm, this. Let's go to lunch, like, and I'll invite Phil, and we'll see Oh, happens. my God. He's liked all my tweets every time I mention him <laughs> online. He likes my t- – I even tweeted his, about this saying I his, might speculate of who would win in a celebrity death match, Phil Rosenthal or Anthony Bourdain. Now, I feel like Anthony Bourdain is, is like a, a nut puncher, but still, like, he would go below the belt. But I'm obsessed, Jason. Yeah, don't I, I hear it in Thank your voice. You. He is would win. the person in real life that he is on television. He uh, is just that joyous and, and loving, and he loves food, and he loves people, and he's great. I just want to give him a hug. I don't want to give you guys a hug. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I feel like that conversation went by way too quickly, and I could ramble on more about your show and food and traveling and all the good stuff that comes from it. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been Jeff Miller and uh, Jason Kessler. Not that Jason Kessler. Stick around. We'll be back after the break. Thanks. Thanks. We're getting closer to the Dark One returning to Earth. That was a callback to my Satan joke, and you didn't laugh. Um, I'm back, and... Uh, Jeff and Jason are, are hanging out, which which was uh, something I wasn't expecting, but is really nice because this segment, this is the segment of the show where I usually talk about shows I dig that are on my radar that I believe you all should watch too because the show is called Pruner TV, which means it's my TV show that you are tuning into kind of, although it's a podcast. Anyways, guys, thanks hey. for sticking around. Sure. We have nowhere to go. Uh, <laughs> you were talking about a pudding business? You know I'm going to ask. What? Oh, Before, yeah. I, in, uh, during the break, Jason – I don't even know how it came up, but Jason said something about a pudding business. Don't talk to me about – I want to talk to you about your pudding business. Sure. Uh, I I previously had a business called Little Spoon Frozen Pudding. Seriously? We, yeah. My, my fiancé and, and I, uh, we made a product that was basically ice cream that didn't melt. What? It has the, the texture of ice cream, but as a thought, it went back to being pudding. Wow. Sounds like a big business, huh? Nope, it failed. Oh, man, I'm sorry. First thing I thought of when you said that was I did a show called VR Troopers straight out of high school, and there was an episode where I had to eat ice cream in a car in like 110-degree heat, and to keep it from melting, they just fed me mashed potatoes on an ice cream cone. Yeah. So it was like it didn't melt, but it also wasn't that tasty. What you're talking about sounds delightful. It, it was wonderful. And if you have people that know how to run a business, I think they could have turned it into uh, a great thing. But it, it was me, who is a, a food and travel writer and a, a TV comedy writer, and uh, my fiance, who's a food stylist. And oh. nowhere in those words is there business. No, but at least the food looked good. Yeah, <laughs> sure did. Well, that's that's interesting. I, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, but it also sounds like a great idea. Yeah, a good experience, good experience to go through. So, as I said, 
Uh, this is the part of the show where I talk about shows, and since I have two food travel writers in the room, I wanted to talk about uh, some of my favorite food travel TV shows that I think you all should check out. There's a lot of food shows. There's a lot of food shows. And I don't usually watch food competition shows, although I really love the taste that was on, I believe it was on ABC briefly with Anthony Bourdain and Nigella Lawson, and that was a cool show. A single spoon. Yes! Yes! And uh, what was Wasn't it? Ludo on that show? Ludo was on yeah. it. Are you buddies with him, too? I think both Jason and I say hi to Ludo when Son he's around. Son of a bitch. I wouldn't say, like, I hang with him. Son of a Do bitch. Do not hang with him. But I have, like... You know, he waves like, oh, you're that guy I'm supposed to recognize and wave to, and I do the You same know what thing. it is? It's the beard and the bright colored glasses. Uh, Everybody hurt. recognizes Jeff. <laughs> you know. Nobody recognizes me. No. No, I feel, like, I feel like you and I could be brothers. I, I was going to say, we yeah. come from the same tribe. Like, <laughs> like literally. The... Yeah. Yeah. Just three Jews, and we're having a good time. Um, it's the unreleased Beastie Boys song. <laughs> <laughs> so the first show that uh, I wanted to talk about is something that I'm sad there's not more of, but at the same time, if there was more of, I'd be afraid that the guy would die. There is a show called Dangerous Grounds that used to be on, I believe it was on for like two seasons, maybe three. It was hosted by Todd Carmichael, the guy behind uh, La Colombe Coffee. And have you guys seen the show? I, so I saw I, – describe it. There's one show that I don't remember the name of that I saw that Dangerous Grounds would really it's uh, describe. This, it's Todd Colomb. He's the, he's the owner of this coffee place where he travels the world sourcing uh, unique, hard-to-find coffees in third-world countries. I have not seen that show. And he goes with just him and one camera guy and risks life and limb to find this, this coffee that he wants to bring to America. And one episode stands out uh, just immediately in my mind. I don't remember where he was going, but he was looking for this coffee he heard about and ended up getting hunted by the militia in the country and had to sleep underneath a parked car on the side of the road so that they couldn't find him and either A, kill him or arrest him. (laughs) This guy is stupid. (laughs) Maybe that's – I mean maybe that's the reason why there was so only – So we know from experience that you don't need to do that to have a show that's about traveling and eating no. food. No. Yeah. Why put yourself in that situation? I really hope he got paid way better than we did. <laughs> I, I mean, like coffee. <laughs> he does own his own coffee company, and his coffee is actually kind of expensive, but um, – I actually love that coffee. Yeah? Oh, yeah, big fan. They also sponsored City Stock last year. That's not the only reason I've oh, seen it. Oh, City Stock. That's one of the shows that you guys That's the thing that play. you, that yeah. you oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, at, uh, at the pool party. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. Thanks. I'm just you know, showing up to a really nice house that has a nice pool. You know. Was it 11 years now? Uh, this will be the 13th, 13th. Year of City Stock. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. See, I never leave the house. Yeah, so I hear. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, if you want to watch Dangerous Grounds, there's two episodes available on Amazon Instant Video. I'm not sure if it's streaming. You may have to purchase. I'm a crazy person, and I did purchase both seasons because I'm a big fan of coffee. I love learning about coffee, um, how it's grown, where, where it's sourced from. Uh, Jason does not like coffee at all. I don't get it. Jeff <laughs> loves coffee. I have uh, I, I I have a big cup here full of coffee that I chemexed myself this morning. So fancy. Yeah. Can I can I give you a coffee tip? Sure. Is this? I think this is true. My favorite coffee is the cold brew concentrate from Trader Joe's. Half that, half milk. Better than any fancy coffee out there. Absolutely. So good. I'm a big That's fan of cold right brew. Now. 
Yeah. I have like three different ways of making cold brew at home, and my wife is so sick of all the coffee things. Every I have, Christmas, I have one way of making cold brew at home. It's go around the corner to Trader Joe's, <laughs> pick up the cold brew coffee <laughs> crate. I, every Christmas, uh, her family gets me a new coffee thing, and I'm like, let's just open up our own little coffee house inside of our real house, and I can just have my own little coffee corner because I have way too much coffee accoutrement. And then you don't have to go anywhere. And I then you can really talk to don't. Jason about how to run that business. I I have a coffee tip for <laughs> nice you. Nice callback. Yes. Drink water. Okay. I mean, I have uh, some coffee knowledge for you. Mm-hmm. There's water in my coffee. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Along with acid. Yes, which is great for my stomach because I'm a Jew. Next show on my list, um, this is a show I just actually recently watched for the very first time. I think there's like four seasons available. Like I said, I don't have cable, but I have Hulu Live, and uh, Travel Channel is available on Hulu, and there's a show called Booze Traveler. And much yep. like much like Dangerous Grounds, this is a show that travels around the world and showcases different countries' cultures through their alcohol practices. Have you seen the show? We have. He was our lead-in. Yeah. What? Yeah. But he, yeah. he came on before Trip Testers. Do you hang out with Jack Maxwell, too? I've never no, met him. He's too handsome for yes. us. Oh, is he? Yeah. He's a former actor. He's a former once an actor, always an actor. I believe okay. he retweeted right. us a couple times, though. He, d- he did. Well, he does have a nice complexion. He uh, let, Let's give a shout-out to Jack Maxwell. He just finished his chemo treatments. Oh. Uh, he is he is now in remission. I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. Well, 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 I follow him on uh, on the socials. I, that's, I didn't know. I mean, he d- does drink a lot. I don't know if that has anything I don't to know. do with the Maybe coffee? Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> I, I tuned into this show for the first time just randomly, and I watched the Vikings episode, which was bonkers and i'm like how can you host so many episodes where you're just going around drinking all sorts of stuff and be okay you know but he seems really knowledgeable and really into it which i think you you have to have that to have any sort of successful food show travel show just be really into what you're doing which is why what makes sense with you guys you know enthusiasm is key yes this is true also knowing what you're doing is also key, I believe, and also uh, enjoying that. Also enjoying what you're doing. Um, but yeah, this is available on Hulu for those of you out there who actually have cable. It's on Travel Channel. Jack Maxwell. Uh, thoughts go out to you. I didn't know this till right now. It took so a dark turn in thank here. You, thank you. Thank you. But it's good. It's good. He's in remission. Like yeah. yeah. Like congratulations. You're doing great, you. Jack. Yeah. 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 Keep it up. Yeah, it's a good show. Um, so I said on <laughs> I said online I said at the beginning of of this show, that since I'm going to be talking about food travel stuff, it is eventual that I'm going to talk about Anthony Bourdain because I discovered Anthony Bourdain in 2009 when I ended up living on my own and I never cooked for myself and I always got food out and I randomly happened upon No Reservations and there was a a marathon of it on the Travel Channel. I had never seen it before. And there was something about it that hooked me that suddenly I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I need to start teaching myself how to cook and about different foods and and travel. And I have – I actually do leave the house. I was lying earlier. Ugh, um, I go. have traveled places, but there's something about uh, no reservations and the layover specifically that I found really interesting, especially you know if you travel a lot and you land you know in a city that you're stuck in for a couple hours. This, this short-lived show gave you tips on where to go once you're in that city if you have a limited amount of time. But – my big thing that I put down here is Parts Unknown, which is Anthony Bourdain's show on CNN. 
Um, I became a fanboy of the guy. Like, I became obsessed with him. I've read all his books Mm -hmm. because he sort of helped me, I I guess, branch out, like, change my life a bit and take more control of the kind of food I eat and uh, uh, educate myself on just what's going on in the world through a sardonic, uh, sarcastic, humorous lens. Because for a while there, he was my spirit animal. But now I'm going to be a dad, and I can – I'm trying to be more joyful, but more positive. And uh, I know Anthony Bourdain's a dad, but he's kind of dark. He's a dark dad. He's a dark dad. Dark dads work. Dark dads work. Yeah, embrace hashtag, it. Hashtag dark dads work. There you go. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to ask you guys if you can bring Anthony Bourdain to lunch with me. I don't even know if you've met him. But what is your take? The reason I asked this, there's a lot of episodes of No Reservations. People are either hit or miss with him. You son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. Ah! Just to explain what's going on. I, I just ah! I just showed Aaron a picture of me and, me and Tony. I've only met him once. I interviewed him. I would not say we were friends. He would not know me if he walked into the room. But I did want to see what the uh, – that's a screenshot, so you're not going to be able to see more than that. That was how I, I – I mean, we can, we could you know. Throw your phone You can pull it up. It is room. on my Instagram. I'm just going to fucking break your shit. Just throw your phone. He's amazing. Yeah. I think Jason would probably agree. I mean, I, I don't know him. I've never met him. But well, I meant you, not, as, a, TV. as a TV host. I don't know um, him. I, I think he's fantastic. Yeah, he's he's the first guy in food TV that I think brought a real sense of authenticity to what, what he was doing. Right. And that, I think, is really the key to successful food TV right now. And being honest and, and uh, reacting to things that may not taste good or may not go over well. So my, my favorite Anthony Bourdain moment. I, I say not go over well. Sorry for interrupting you, but because he always has bad fishing sequences. So, well, so, so yep. the scene, uh, the, the scene that that endeared me to him is when he's going hunting for octopus, and then a guy starts throwing dead octopus and claiming yes! that they're fresh octopus. And instead of either cutting the segment entirely or faking it, and like from doing the show, we know that production is there saying. This is what you got to do to make it work for TV. Instead of doing that, he basically said, "Fuck you." We're showing how fake this is. Yeah. And um, I, I like at that moment, I was like, "This, like, this is great. A great television. B, he's like totally taking off all of the filter from what food TV can, you know, sometimes be, and making it really authentic, like yeah. Jason said. And I think that that's what makes him such a great host and such a great personality. That's funny. That's my favorite scene, too, when we've literally never talked about that. Yeah, we've that's never, interesting. Never yeah, there, there was that episode where he went to Beirut and they got stuck in the hotel after the attack that happened in Beirut, where it's like, you know, you're, you're doing a food show and things happen that you don't expect. Right. That end up changing the production and changing the trajectory of what you're trying to get on camera to be whatever episode you, you want to come out. And I don't know if you've seen this Beirut episode where that that really sold me, where they went there to 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 tour the city. I think it was in 2006. And there was an, there was a, like an uprising in the in the city. They had a little civil war happening out there where an attack happened and suddenly he was stuck in the hotel with his production company and and tourists and also uh you know people visiting and locals and they were stuck there for days and the episode was about being stuck in that hotel and what do you do and then finally being able to be rescued and and shipped out i watched that and i'm like oh, i'm tuning in to find out what, what you can eat at beirut and then i'm saying holy crap you're almost dying and yeah. that was amazing 
Um, unexpected stuff like that is what drew me in. And then now on uh, Parts Unknown, he's able to go places that he wasn't able to go on Travel Channel. Like he went to Iran and uh, and places that Travel Channel deemed we 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 shouldn't go there. That's dangerous. We weren't even allowed to go to Mexico. It's true. <laughs> what? It's true. That is a that is a valid point. Where in wait, wait where in Mexico did you want to go? Anywhere. Really? Yeah. Like even Rosarito is bad. Tijuana is bad. Uh, they would not let us cross the border. There, there is that insurance reasons. There. Uh, the thing that they said was um, Zika, right? It was like, oh, when, yeah. it was yeah, like yeah. when people were concerned about Zika was when we were – it was sort of after that, but that was sort of in their conversation about it. And I think they were basically like American tourists are not going to Mexico right now because of Zika, and so we want to keep it – I mean essentially keep it to the U.S. Um, I think there was also probably – uh, you know, uh, cost factors of traveling internationally, but we did pitch Mexico, and we were presented with a pretty hard no at some point. In time oh man, uh, my mother-in-law has a house in Rosarito, and they have—I've had some of the most amazing tacos down there. I'm sure. I know that's cliche to say. You went to Mexico and had good tacos, but dude, like it I seems think it's like all about the ceviche. Like, it's the ceviche, oh, so and it's the, the freshly ceviche. made uh, tortillas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there's. Two final shows I want to talk about really quickly here. I'm going to lump Somebody Feed Phil and I'll Have What Phil's Having together even because they're kind of the same show, even though – They're the same show. Somebody Feed, <laughs> Phil, uh, Somebody Feed Phil is Netflix and I'll Have What Phil's Having was formerly PBS. They're the same show. He calls his parents in every episode. They're the same show. If you if you read interviews with them or talk to him about it, yeah. he's like, yeah, they're – you know, let's wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. Like, yeah. But there, and, and I mentioned this earlier, he's like the anti-Bourdain in the sense that Bourdain comes to things with a sardonic, dark sense of humor, you know, pointing out the bullshit and hypocrisies in things. Phil's just there to have a good time yeah, and not and not present any sort of judgment on the experience. And I love that. Phil's at a place in his life where everything is joyful because he has millions upon millions of dollars. Look, man, I mean, yes, that is that is part of it. But I feel like it's an inspiration for us all to not, I don't know, go into things with preconceived notions about how the people or the environment's going to be and just try to have a good time. My final thing is Ugly Delicious. I've been watching it. I'm yeah. like four episodes in. What do you think of the pizza episode? Love the pizza episode. Really? I, I just watched it last night. Hold I, on, did I see the pizza episode? As soon as I said that, I was like, maybe it's I have the first seen episode. It. Oh, so that, it was the first the okay. episode. Okay, yes. the reason I asked. Oh yeah, where they ordered Domino's. Yes. Yeah, the reason I asked that is because the production quality of that episode is all over the place. It seems so scatterbrained, and some of my friends are not into that episode. That it's not like an episode that you should use to really tell you if the whole show is going to be good or what what the whole show's identity is going to be. And then I watched the pizza show on Vice, and I'm like, ooh. And I started filling in the blanks in my head going, so David Chang used to be on 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 Munchies, the Vice YouTube channel right. back in the day. And David Chang used to be uh, attached to the Vice brand. And there was a pizza show on Vice, which is just about a guy going around the country showing you pizzas in different places. Yep. And what if there was drama between David Chang and Vice? And now this pizza episode is him clapping back at his former – place of employment i don't know if any of that's true but that is like my subtext while watching it <laughs> he, he does go to the same place the lucali i know same place in the pizza show i know um i i thought it was all over the place in like yeah. a, a terrible way and like tell me a story from start to finish right. and it was just like okay guys we're done to do an episode about pizza just throw shit on a whiteboard and we'll do all of it right exactly 
Have you that, guys have you guys seen other episodes? Yes, yeah, I watched I watched all of it. The taco episode is amazing. Taco episode's great. I love the home cooking episode. That one too. That one that one was uh, pretty heartfelt. That that it hit me. So I, I am biased against David Chang uh, for for a very specific reason. Ooh, yes, let's throw some shade. Uh, Spill was, some tea, my friend. I will go quickly here. Uh, I was in Western Australia over Thanksgiving a few years back uh, for a food festival. It's part of the, the wonders of being a food writer. And David Chang was one of the chefs at the food festival, the only American chef there. It's literally Thanksgiving. I go up to him and go, hey, uh, I'm Jason Kessler. I'm a food writer. I just want to say, like, happy Thanksgiving. It's a bummer there's no turkey here. And he looked at me with this, like, withering look. And he's like, yeah, and walked. Oh, oh damn! It's like okay, uh, happy see, Thanksgiving. Yeah, Bye. yeah. I feel like he's an acquired taste, just like Anthony Bourdain is. But I, I, I do say, uh, Ugly Delicious is is a show that it's unlike anything I've seen before. It feels like an amalgamation of shows I've watched in the past, and it also feels like his answer to Viceland shows. Clearly, trying to be Viceland. David Chang, I've also learned, gets uh, I don't know if it's funny upset or really upset when you bring up the band Fish with him. He used to be a big Fish fan. Oh, I am currently a big Fish fan, and once I found that out, every time I see him, I ask like, you know, what his favorite Harry Hood to listen to is right now. He gets real annoyed with me. On that note, <laughs> you can watch Ugly Delicious on Netflix. You can actually watch Somebody Feed Phil and I'll Have What Spill is Having. Also on Netflix, I want to once again thank – thank uh, I'm tripping over my words. I would like to thank again Jeff Miller and Jason Kessler for joining me on this episode where we could travel the food world and talk about their show, Trip Tasters, on the Cooking Channel. Uh, you could find me at Pruner TV on Twitter. If you enjoyed this show and you enjoy what you hear, please – Submit a review on iTunes. Uh, you can also follow follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Printer TV. Next week, my guest is going to be Ash vs. Evil Dead's Lindsay Harris. He plays Dalton on the show. It's sure to be groovy. My name is Aaron Pruner. I'm not apologizing for anything. Thanks for sticking with me. You can find me at Aaron Flux on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And like I said earlier, earlier clout. And Friendster, I don't know. I'm old. Thanks again for listening. I love you all. Yeah, check my cloud score. It's gone way off. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>